Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic night of Fandom Access. I am your ever-faithful host, AJ. Greetings and salutations. So, oh, look, Karen is here ready. I don't have to babble at all. Good evening, Karen. Hi, AJ. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. You're giving yourself a laugh there, starting the show. Something funny? Yes. You see, I have this <laughs> thing in my house that anytime she's in the vicinity of me starting the podcast, she I don't know what the hell she does, actually. So I heard I heard Junie come upstairs just as I was starting the podcast, and she was talking to the cat, so I, made, I was kind of loud when I started the show so that she oh. knew I was on the podcast. And I knew she was going to come around the corner and start uh, laughing at me, pointing at me, whatever. I don't know. I, I knew I like I saw it coming before she even did it. So yeah. Anyway. Your daughter or your cat? Who makes fun of you on the podcast? <laughs> the cat. Junie. No, Junie, not a cat. <laughs> you were like the cat swimming around the corner. Um. Well, of course. Well, I, uh, of course, the one. Of course, the one cat I have. I wouldn't fucking surprise me. I hate that cat. Never hated an animal Aww. so much in my life. Really? No, this one is nuts. You do have another so one. Anyway. Yeah, the new one. Anyway. Anyway, uh, it's the day after Labor Day. Here we are. We actually have some stuff to talk about. Yep. Yeah. Um, three shows, right? And I guess Jamie. Yep. What's Jamie doing? Is Jamie going to join J- us? Jamie, no, J- Jamie's no, not joining Jamie, us. At Jamie all today. will not be joining us. <laughs> no, because she hasn't seen any of Invasion. She she mm-hmm. she didn't finish the first episode of Ahsoka, and she forgot about Wheel of Time. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she forgot to download the interview I sent her, so she's got work to do. Uh, I did an interview. So as long as Jamie's not here, there's this new movie coming out called... Dante and Aristotle discover the secrets of the universe. It's based on a young adult novel that came out, I think in like 2012, that was very popular. Um, and so it's been a long odyssey coming to the screen until I interviewed um, uh, the screenwriter slash director. So the same person wrote it and directed it because there's a strike on. We, we didn't talk about writing it. We only talked about um you know, her experience as a director of the film. And it was a really great interview, and that should be up maybe tomorrow before this movie opens on Friday. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think maybe a lot of, like, I had dinner with my niece yesterday who uh, she turned 16, and, like, she immediately knew all about the book, right? Um, I had heard of it. Uh, I had not heard of it because I'm – you know, three times her age. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not the audience for that book. <laughs> um, but that'll be up this week. I don't know what else Jamie's working on. Um, another invasion. The invasion. Uh, 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 we have an, inva- an interview with the, I told you this, with the VFX guy from Invasion, but we're holding it because it's oh, yeah. a little spoilery. It's a little spoilery. You don't want to spoil people. He talked about some of the visuals that we have not yet seen. So we're holding that. So we don't spoil stuff. So um, there's that in the works um, and a bunch of shows to talk about. So uh, we've got what do we have? Wheel of Time, Ahsoka, and Invasion. So Wheel of yep. Time is three episodes. Uh, I've got maybe, I don't know, which one you want to jump in on? 
invasion. Let's, let, you know what, let's get Wheel of Time out of the way. Okay, let's get it out of the way. Um, I watched it, I think, Friday night, because I'm a loser who stays home on Friday night and watches Wheel of Time for three hours. Um, you watched it sometime <laughs> in the last few days, I think, right? <laughs> I watched it. I watched them today. That's why I, I, I kind of forgot. I didn't forget about it, but I, I kind of wasn't in a hurry to watch it. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, should I have the podcast well, tonight? Yeah. Um, I actually, I actually and, watched and you know the last episode also. I watched the finale of last season also, so I can remember what the hell's going on. You know right. me, yeah, when I have to wait two years yep, for a yep. show, I can't remember. Yep, you always do that. So, Which is not a bad idea. Right? No, especially when it's like two years between shows, right? Like, I'm sorry. Well, I can't remember all that. Boring. Yeah, so did you think it was, like, so I thought it was boring all last season, right? Jamie definitely liked it the most out of the three of us. You and I were kind of bored last year. Yeah, I mean, um, don't get me wrong. There's definitely there's definitely high points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I made, I made a joke while, while Artie and I were watching it. I said to him, I was like, man, I was like, As if, if you're going to get all talky through the whole, you know, for two hours, I was like, hire somebody that knows how to write dialogue. I was like, I don't know, get Christopher Nolan or um, Tarantino, somebody that has, you know, experience doing dialogue, but makes it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I this mean, is a lot of... Okay, get Tarantino. I got to say, I call order, but it is a Jeff Bezos. Well, I, right? I know. I was, I'm obvious, yeah, you're not getting Nolan or Tarantino yeah. to write your show for you. <laughs> but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, like, find somebody, if you want to, do the, you know, if you want to build the characters and, and do, right, you know, a lot of talking and nothing else, find somebody that knows how to do it because I'd say the only parts that were actually kind of interesting when they were just talking was when they were all sitting around the campfire um, when Maureen and um, Lan talk about the first time they met. That scene there, yeah. that was interesting. That that was kind of, you know, and, it's, and I, I love, I can't remember the character's name, but she's always making sexual innuendos about everything. Um, it makes this conversation interesting because she's, she's funny and their, you know, and their story was actually kind of funny that, you know, they thought different oh, things the, about the other and then he threw her in the, and threw her in the, in the, in the pond, you know? Yeah. You, you mean those like two retired ice to die that they're traveling with? Yeah. Like they yeah. were, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of, um, they're kind of funny. Yeah, the pond. one who's like, always like, Lynn, I see you have your shirt off while yeah. you're practicing. Would yeah. you like lemonade? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, did you take a step to your left? Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's always um, funny. She like was fun last scene. season, too. Uh, you know, I, I mean, of course, Rosamund Pike is amazing. She's the best actress on the show. Of course, she nails every scene, right? Um, she's also an executive producer, I think, on the show. Um, and, and I, I agree with you, like in general, Maureen's story was one of the more interesting arcs over these three episodes, right? Um, and I think they are doing a pretty good job with this part where, like, she, she, she can't access magic anymore, right? She can't, what do they call it, the one source? She can't, um, access it anymore. She can't do magic because of that whole encounter with the dark, the, it's not the, turns out it's not the dark one. It's like the dark one's minion, right? Dark one's yeah. right hand or whatever. Um, and uh, she can't do magic. And, like, I think they're doing a good job of showing, like, like the pain 
she feels and how she doesn't know who she is. Like, she doesn't know who she is or what to do or how to be, right? Like, everything she's thought about herself. And also, like, that connection she had with Lan is, like, severed. Um, they were supposed to be, like, I mean, that connection is not really, I mean, it's a kind of love, but it's not necessarily, like, yeah. romantic. But but not only is that broken, but she's also going out of her way to drive him further away from her, I guess. You know, she's got this classic fantasy thing where she's like, I've got to do it alone. I must go alone. Like, I don't know why all these people yeah. are going to do it alone. Guess what, lady? You can't do magic anymore. Yeah. Why don't you let your warder come with you? You know, I guess for and, his own and, safety, and right? For his safety, the first time he, she tried to leave, she'd be dead if it wasn't for everybody yeah. interceding. I mean, like, how did that work out yeah. for her? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yeah. that. I mean, that was kind of a good I, scene, except... This show has the problem that a lot of shows have nowadays is that I can't freaking see anything that happens at night. Like, they don't spend – they don't do night for night. They don't light it properly. I guess they shoot it night for day, and then they add it digitally later, and everything is so dark. Like, if they shot it night for night at night and put lights on – I don't know. I can't see anything that happens at night on so many shows, right? Um, and I just got a way bigger TV with a way higher quality screen, and I still can't see anything on the show at <laughs> night. Uh, and it was kind of a cool fight scene uh, against these the fades with those creepy teeth and all. And then there was a flaming, you know, when they, like, turn the fl- they, the witches, like, make the sword yeah. flame at the end. That was cool and all. And I was like, oh, my God, why can we not? The show, the day scenes look pretty good, especially, like, every scene in the tower. The White Tower is, like, the most amazing set they have on this show, right? Um, but so much at night, I was like, that scene could be so much better if I could see it. Um, you know, it's actually funny. Yeah. I, I did like that scene at the end of the fight there where they make a sword all fiery and stuff. I love that she's laying on the mm-hmm. ground and and the air starts to move next to her, and I was like, I was like that's not her doing it. And then, like, the look on her face, like, oh, my God, my magic's back, and then realizes, no, it's not. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the most interesting, to me, that was the best storyline, right? And there's also the whole part where, in between there, where Maureen is trying to, like, get info, and she's got this, like, steady stream, I guess, of, like, rogues and sketchy con men or whatever trying to sell her clues and stuff. Um, some of which, like, actually are helpful to her and some of which are not. And she's, But she's being a jerk to everyone, but she's, she's got, like, a plan, sort of. It's a half-assed yeah. plan, uh, but well, I think, it doesn't allow any help. I, I, think, I think that poem probably is something that's going to help her get her, or she at least thinks and hopes that her, will help get her powers back. Yeah, she had a little bit, like, she did have a little bit of, like, when she was under attack, she tried to, like, use magic, right? And she got a little bit of a stir there and then nothing. She's not totally, like... Yeah. I, that, that They left open the hope that she'll get her magic back, right? So maybe that... That was home, a good scene, I though. Kind of, well, was yeah, was, that, that was the, a good scene, though, with the, with, the, with the merchant, you know, where she oh, totally yeah. makes him think that she wants, wants the heart stone and and talks him down on the the price of the poem, and turns out that's all she wanted all along. Yeah, and she pays him one mark, which is, like, nothing. And then she's like, wait, what? Who follows you? You need to get out of here now. Like, you need to – then she gives him money, and she's like, oh, shit. Like, they're onto you, right? They're onto me. 
you better get out of here. Um, it's a little, I mean, should I be, is it a problem that I found her the most interesting and the four, five potential dragons? I mean, we know now that Rand is the dragon or we, we know Rand is the dragon. We know or we know. I mean, I still think there's another shoe to drop on that. This was, this series of books was 14 books. And so I yeah. feel like maybe there's more there. Like, I feel like, I still feel like they're all involved. Like, he might be the dragon, but he can't maybe be successful without all of them coming together, maybe, somehow, right? Kind of like the fellow, they're kind of like, are they like the Fellowship of the Ring and he's Frodo? Except he's Magic Frodo? I don't know. Um, <laughs> he's but, Magic Frodo? Speaking of the rest of them were kind of boring. Of our main characters, our main, well, our main, they're a bunch of whiny little shits. Mm-hmm. You, you know, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, you've got Naveen, who's like, oh, I don't want to practice magic. Nobody should have this much power, which I, I give her credit for the, the part about nobody should have this much power. I, I, I respect her for that. But everything is just so whiny with her. And then you've got, yeah. um, what's her face? Um, um, her, her, her best friend there. Um, Egwine. 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 Egwine, you know, right? Egwine. And she's like, yeah, and she's all, oh, I, I work so hard and I want this so bad and it doesn't come easy. And, and Naveen, she's, she's so powerful and everybody cares about her. And the only time they notice me when I think, okay, yeah, you're whining now. And, you know, and everybody's just fucking whining. Actually, the only one that wasn't whining that was actually interesting was Matt. Matt was, Matt was entertaining. I know, which is like a a new and improved Matt now that he's not under the influence of the knife, or he thinks he's not, yeah. right? Like Matt seems to be. No, yeah, yeah. By the way, he's... did you notice? That's a new actor. Did you notice that he's been recast? Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I heard um, there was some kind of scheduling conflict with the original Matt. Maybe that's why I like yeah. this Matt too. Maybe maybe this actor is more charismatic. I don't know. I don't know. I I th- I, I think that the scheduling conflict was. When COVID pushed the shooting schedule back so far, he had a conflict that he had, like, another yeah. contract. Um, right. Uh, this, I mean, uh, he, w- he was very good. This Matt is also likable, and it's a good maybe time to change because, like, the old actor played a lot of dark. This is, like, a newer Matt. I mean, I think Min, Min is that the girl's name who was in the cell next door, which, like, classic I prison break yeah. comedy. Like, you break through your cell, and it's another cell next door. <laughs> Um, I think her name is Min, and she saw a vision of him stabbing, stabbing Rand or cutting his throat or something like with a knife. Yeah, night. stabbing Rand. Like, oh, it's like maybe he's not away. Maybe he's not totally free of the curse that he like. He he had that cursed knife, right? Well, maybe he's still yeah. I cursed. feel, I feel like that isn't exactly what it looks like. Well, like, how do yeah, we know that, that too. He, how do we, how do we know that that Rand? doesn't get some evil in him and Matt, you know, maybe Matt has to stab him with some, you know, with a certain special sword or dagger or something to to free him, to free him. You know, it's it's a a small sample. We don't know the context. Yeah. I mean, we know that all men who can channel eventually go insane. So maybe he became dangerous and Matt had to kill him to save other people. Like Min, you're right. She only sees this one very limited little vision out of context. 
and we don't really know. And and yeah. it's way too early in the show for it to be that simple. You're right. Right. Um, and that's the other thing. I mean, like like you said, this is. I mean, I I mean, I don't think. I mean, I don't know what their plan is, but this definitely doesn't have the legs for 14 seasons. <laughs> you got well, 14 I, books. But I don't know. Actually, it's each, first... I don't know how many. Yeah, I don't know how many books each season is supposed yeah, to take season, place in. Right. But. I'm going to Google that real quick while we talk. Wheel of Time, how many books per season? Um, uh, there were 14 books and one prequel. Uh, I don't know how many, how the show, yeah, I don't know if the show was more than one book in the first season, right? Um, yeah, I don't either. So it's possible they combined some stuff. Um Apparently the entire okay here's what I see the entire Wheel of Time series will cover all 14 books season one covered book one and parts of book two and three uh, so I don't know how much they'll go do going forward but um, and they spent 100 million dollars apparently on that first season um, well at least more than 300 well yeah <laughs> it looks better than the 300 million dollar series. So, yeah, I don't know where we are in the book series. It's not like The Expanse where every every season was yeah. one book, right? Um, I'm a little struggling with – so all the main characters are scattered to the winds, right? And now there's six, there's six of them. There's the five potential dragons, um, and Nynaeve, Nynaeve and Egwine were together at the tower, but then that seemed to go a little – you know, that – that changed, um, and we thought Nanny was dead. Like she goes into the arches, um, and she, uh, she and she doesn't come out, right? Like she doesn't take the door, um, and she doesn't come out. But then the door comes back. So, like she was told by the the I forget what they're called, the teachers, the leaders, the red, you know, all the leaders that took her there for that trial. They they were very clear. The mistress of the mistress of the mistress of novices or something she she was like look the door only comes once so you can't miss the door but i feel like the door came to her like two or three times in that last vision that last arch came to her at least twice because yeah. she she sees it with lan and she doesn't go through it right um and then and right. then I go, she's dead but then she saw it again later um she, i mean she saw it again later so uh that was you know, uh, I, I I did, like, added that new girl, Elaine, who's, like, the princess who's set to, like, inherit and be the whole, the queen and everything, but she also happens to be a witch. And she seems like a very yeah, down-to-earth and straightforward, right? And, well, and she goes to the arches. Well, I don't know about down-to-earth. Okay, not down-to-earth, well, I mean, I mean, well, and when we first, Yeah, yeah, okay. Because well, when we first see her, She's like tidying up her room with all this stuff and, and like and having all these people like do her bidding and everything. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we have a princess. And then I was like, oh, we have a literal princess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um. Uh, but you know, she later was like, when when one was like, I'm jealous. I try so hard and I can't do any magic. And then yeah. so everybody says she's so powerful and she's a bitch and won't try. Blah blah. blah. And Elaine says, like, oh, jealousy doesn't look good on you. Like, she sees it right away. 
Yeah. Uh, and she says, look, I'm a princess. I know about jealousy. She seems like a like a straight-shooting good friend. We'll see if she really turns out that way. And she, and she, and she seems very observant. Yeah, right? Like, uh, yeah. And you know what? And, that's, and, and that might be something this show needs, actually, is a character like her to just be straightforward because the friends all kind of dance around shit and never tell each other anything. For people who knew them each other their entire lives and, like, they all grew up together since they were babies and they know each other inside and out and they never tell each other anything or talk to each other, right? Right. Um, uh, and so the way it that ends, I think, when Nynaeve comes through and, into and, like, she tries to grab the baby and bring her through, which, of course, we know is not going to work, right? And that's when – I think that's the end of that third episode when she comes – right? I don't know. I haven't seen the third episode, remember? Oh, oh. So I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you left off in episode two, she was still inside there? She was still inside the arches, or did you not see her go in the arches at all? Yes. Yeah, no, I saw her her go in the arches, yeah. All right, and she didn't come out. Um, And so you didn't see uh, some stuff with Matt and Min either. I don't want to spoil it for you, or do you care? Um, The last thing I saw with Matt and Min was uh, when she had the vision. Oh, and she sees him, like, yeah. Uh, so they're both still captured. I wasn't really sure how they were, like, like, you're, like you're being held captive by a very powerful witch, and she's not going to notice that you cut a hole in your cell just because you slid the dresser in front of it, which, by the way, their cells are really nice. Like, they have a bed. Like, she's not really yeah. trying to torture them. Or They have a bed. They have a dresser. She brings Min a bottle of wine every night, which Matt doesn't get, but Min gets, right? Yeah. Um, um, you know what? My, 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 my issue with that scene is every time Matt puts the dresser down on the floor, why don't the drawers come flying open? I know if I tried to do that with my, <laughs> a dresser, with one of my dressers, I guarantee I'd be, like, trying to hold the drawers in while I was doing it. Right? Yeah, they would all. Yeah. <laughs> they so would all pull out. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah. Yeah. Like, why are they not sliding out? Right. Well, maybe they're old and crooked, and they just don't really like. Maybe. Well. I do have. Like, I don't know though. I do have a dresser with that one drawer that doesn't really open really well, and you can jiggle it, and right. Yeah. Well, that's because it's it's swollen from over time. Yeah. The, the, the stuff in their rooms, like you said, looks pretty nice. Yeah. She's not. I mean, considering that it's a place that you have to, like, sneak down through, like, you know, it's very hidden and whatever, but it's actually, she's not trying to torture them. Also, like, couldn't she, uh, like, she's got all this power, but she can't just mind read them, I guess. Like, like there's limits on what, and she wasn't trying to, I mean, and she was trying to get info from Matt that we know he doesn't even have, right? Um, I mean, Matt doesn't know anything. He's been, he well, made his choice. She doesn't know that, though. Uh I think the thing with the thing with Matt though is I think she's you know she's worried about the whole thing with the dagger you know what I mean like you know like he said mm-hmm. he's like he's like I haven't touched that thing in six months she's like well I don't believe you and I'm gonna keep you here until I'm sure we can trust you you know like like there's and, there's and, logic yeah. behind what she's doing and I get why she's keeping it a secret because you know it's funny because she's not a likable character. But she's not stupid, and she's not always wrong. So 
there was a surprising moment when she was kind of humanized, and I'm not sure if that's in episode two or three. Did you see anything oh, with her that changed your opinion? With her, with her, with her yeah, son. Yeah, right? Okay, you saw it. That was episode two. That was surprising to me because she's a, I mean, she's a total, I mean, I don't want to say she's a little bitch. The red, she's from the red school, the red class, whatever they are, the red faction of Aes Sedai, and they do have a different kind of approach and a feeling about their power. They're the more militant kind of arm of the Aes Sedai, right? Kind of vaguely fascist, because I feel like she's kind of like, oh, like, I have such power. So it's like, oh, the power, you should take this power. She's like, she's not quite like Darth Vader come to the dark side, but she very much like, <laughs> like, uh, right? She very much uses the power of the Force differently than like Obi-Wan Kenobi would, um, the one source. And she's a little, and and I feel like she's been set up to be a an antagonist and and she was kind of one-dimensional i was really surprised that they gave her and when they had said in the other episode when they said like oh she keeps a man in town we all assumed it was a sexual liaison right or a husband or something like that kind of really surprised me that they gave her that like i don't know were you surprised did you figure out who it was i assumed it was a dying husband i never dreamed it was her son until they said I didn't give it much thought until, until I actually saw her with him, and I was like, what the hell? And then she's like, well, my sweet little boy. I was like, holy shit, that's her son. <laughs> yeah, because doing magic lengthens their – they're all very old, right? Doing yeah. magic allows you yeah. to live a really long time. I mean, you might not remember. It's because maybe I had just watched – maybe it was in the season finale that I had just watched that I remembered maybe. someone said that she, she – someone had said to her, like, I know you go to visit a man in town. You have a man in town, and she's like, "Shut up!" And it turns out he's like a decrepit old man who's going to die. And then there's the part where the drug she's giving him, she thought was helping him, and Nynaeve is like, "Oh hell no, he's still in pain. You got to give him this other thing." And then she just like breaks down, and she's like miserable, right? Like that was kind of amazing um, in terms of a twist in her character to me. Uh, uh, like the show does a few things that surprise. I mean, that's from the book, not just for the show, right? But I feel like the show maybe could have chosen to not include that and just continue to make her a hard ass. Um, or maybe they couldn't because I don't know what's coming in later books. But, like, that to me that was, like, a, a surprising, interesting turn of writing that they did there. Um, Rand was super boring. Like, Rand was – and he always has been super boring. He's a very boring character, Rand. Uh, you know, it's funny. Speaking Speaking of Darth Vader – with Rand's new yes. haircut, as as short as it is, I kept doing. I I know it's I know it's not, but tell me he doesn't mm-hmm. look just like. Um, oh God, I'm doing. I, I, Jamie's not here, so I can't Anakin. remember names apparently. Well, yeah, Who, Anakin, what, but I was trying to think of the actor. Anakin? Yeah. Oh, the uh, actor. Christian, I can't think of his name. Uh, Christian. Christian. Uh, uh, come on. Now you just made, I knew his name was in my tongue until you said it. His name is, uh, Christian, come on, let's say it. Let's all wow. say it together yeah, now. Up. His name is, uh, okay, whatever, that guy. He looks just like, yes, yeah, a little bit redheaded. He's just like a little bit redheaded of an Anakin Skywalker, right? Um, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, there you go. Right? Aiden Christensen. <laughs> yes, Aiden Christensen. Wow, we are With a little terrible. bit of Hannah in there. 
We are. Our age is showing. Age is showing us, yeah. He does. He looks just like him, right? And it's like as yeah. he's becoming more evil. And, I mean, I, I thought Rand's storyline was a little boring. Like, he runs off. I get it. You think you you realize that you, you're the dragon. I mean, I do think if you really are the dragon reborn, I guess he thinks, like, in the season finale of last year, he goes, like, into that temple into the, and stands on the yin-yang and he, like, battles with this guy. And they're like, oh, we defeated the, you know, the dark one. And he's like, listen, I got to get out of here because I'm going to be too dangerous. And I tell everybody I'm dead. Let me take off. And then I think it's only after that that Marina's like, oh, shit, he wasn't a dark one. He's Ishmael, the dark one's lieutenant or whatever, right? I, so maybe, I think maybe Rand doesn't know that he didn't finish the job. Uh, or is Probably he not. just being an irresponsible jerk who's not finishing the job, right? No, I think he, he thinks he didn't finish the job. And now he's out there trying to figure out how he can – he wants to learn how to control his channeling so he doesn't go insane. But the whole first two episodes revolve around – he goes to live in some village, in some shack, uh, and he is having really good sex with the hot landlady. Uh, and I, I – that might be all you saw. I don't know what came in episode three versus two um, where he, see, he works at, at an insane at asylum. The, yeah, at the end of the episode, after, after he beats the, beats the shit out of uh, the guy that's a jerk um, oh, yeah. in the he asylum. Gets promoted. He, he gets promoted. Oh, and that's actually really funny because the guy um, that we see, the guy, the patient that we see Rand with um, early on, that's Archimedes. Yeah. Or, yeah, from, from, I like, like I literally just watched uh, oh, Dial of Destiny. <laughs> he's Archimedes. And then the same actor. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I was like, I, I've never seen this actor before. I've seen him twice in the same week. That's like, um, yeah. I know you don't watch just, I know you don't watch Justified, but the villain in Justified is that um, the blonde-headed guy with the mustache in Dial of Destiny that the, that works for um, that works for oh, the German. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, that he's kind of a Nazi, right? In the, the guy in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the guy. Yeah. yeah he's kind of like a Nazi guy. Yeah. I gotta say, uh, I I really I really like that actor. I can't wait to see what he does next. He was he was really good in uh, in Justified. Justified. Wow. Yeah, really that. For what that role was. I mean, if you're an Indiana Jones Nazi, how, you know, it's not that great a role. He, I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> a great role, but it is what it is, you know. Uh, he's not just playing Nazi. Um, so he gets, so so you saw that he ran, beats up that, the, the other orderly who's a jerk. Like, he's mean to the Indiana Jones, he's mean to Archimedes, and Rand's like, I'm going to teach that guy a lesson for, like, no apparent reason, beats him up. Uh, almost kills him, maybe kills him, almost kills him. And the next day they're like, guess what, you're promoted. Yeah, they're like, you're promoted. I, 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 that was not Rand's intention to get promoted, I don't think. He just wanted that guy to stop being a, a sadist and torturing, yeah. you know, these poor sick people. And then, boom, he gets promoted. And did you see what happens when he gets to work in the new yep. department? That's, yeah, that's the last thing I yeah. saw. Yeah, so his new guy that he looks after is the false dragon that was imprisoned in episode yep. one of season one. No, I mean, in, in the Which beginning makes, part of season but one. But see, that's okay. the thing. Because, like, like, when the episode, when we first see Rand, I'm like, why is he working in an asylum? Like, what is he up to? I think that was his goal all along. 
Like, I think he knew what, he was there. I, don't, I, I think he so. Knew that guy was in there? I think, I, I think he had to, he looked, he, he wasn't, he didn't look surprised when he saw him. He had a kind of like yeah, a fly smirk on his face. That, at least that's how sure I knew. I wasn't sure if he knew that guy was in there or he just assumed that, like, we know that all men who can channel go insane, so the insane asylum probably has some dudes who can channel in there, right? Or mostly guys who can channel are in there. Um, but that maybe he knew somehow that guy, maybe through some off-screen thing they didn't tell us because they're annoying, yeah. he actually knew that guy was in that there. That never happened. It wouldn't be that hard. It, it, it wouldn't be that hard. It was a very public, he was very publicly, yeah. like he was dragged through the streets in a cage. How hard would it be to find out where he is, right? They, uh, so that wasn't they, they don't do things like that. Yeah. Um. So the most boring person, the most likable person is still the most boring person. It's Perrin. Perrin is some kind of a werewolf, we learned in season one, right? And his story yeah. is so slow. He is the slowest person to, disco- okay, to discover his magic. I mean, maybe Matt. Matt got cursed. He didn't really discover his own magic. The thing is, Matt, setting that aside, Matt, because Matt was a potential dragon, he might have some magic also that we haven't seen yet, right? Or was Matt just along for the ride and not a potential dragon and got cursed? Who knows? But but Perrin was one of the potential dragons. He's some sort of werewolf, whatever they call it on this show. It's it's a very slow developing story there with Perrin. To me, it's maybe the most boring, and yet I like him. I like the actor. I like him. I like Lael, Lael, Loyal. The, the lion-looking guy who's yeah. your friend. Like, I, I like a lot yeah. of what's happening. I he don't know. Awesome. He also he also ran into the, the what do they call him, the Sean Chan? The Sean, what do they call him? The Sean Chan. The Sean Chan are those new like that. enemies. He's the one that is with them, but his his story is very slow. Um, and yeah. he only works out very rarely. Well, yeah, it was, that was the funny thing. When, when he was getting drug out um, in the middle of the night when they were attacked, Artie kept yelling at the TV going, turn into a wolf, turn into a wolf. Why, why are you turning into a wolf? <laughs> and I was like, wait. I was like, I was like, I forget. Can he do it when he wants? <laughs> I don't remember. I, he can. I, he can. I, he's only done it a couple times, and I think it was – it's not like every time he's in danger he does it. It's not like um, – but he didn't uh, listen. No, it doesn't. It's not like the moon, like like a werewolf traditionally in the moon. And he's not like the Hulk, like when he gets angry or scared. Like he seems to not. I don't know what triggers it, and he seems to not be able to control it at all. Like yeah. Like when the Sean when the Sean Chen come and they take over the town, and you know his friend gets killed, he doesn't change, right? Um, I don't know what triggers it, if anything. But but that other guy, the tracker Elias, is clearly also a wolf man, right? Like he's got those creepy gold eyes and that long hair, and like that guy's a wolf man, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you you might be right. I hadn't really thought about it. Because he's not a wolf man; he's something. He's he's like got those eyes, and he's always like creeping around and popping up at the. Right, he's like what? I didn't know you were there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's 
speaks very cryptically, and I think he's definitely some some kind of a wolf personal. And he's always, like, lurking around Perrin. I think he might be a wolf guy also. Maybe he will teach him. I don't know. Uh, it didn't happen in, in episode three. You didn't miss that. I don't know what you saw of Perrin. So he gets dragged out by his feet. I felt the same way. Um, like, the not last only turned thing... into a wolf, but he didn't even fight. Like, he's a super huge yeah. guy. Like, he's a big man, solid man, and a good fighter. He doesn't even fight back, right? So the last thing I see of Perrin is when um, is you know after they get blown away by the witches, um, it's the next day, and the, the caravan brings the dark one. I am not really sure who that was yet. Yeah. And but but the the right hand is stand, is there with her. Oh yeah. So when the when the when they come with their giant, I mean when they come with their giant pyramid and he's there with the. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I saw parent like the par- the pyramid rolls into yeah. town. That was a little weird to me because just the idea that they like everybody's like who are they? I've never heard of them. Who are these people? And I'm like wait. They have, like, these super-duper fighters with their masks on who are very scary and awesome fighters and subdue you and, like, they take over your whole town in no time. And then they roll in their, like, empress or whoever she is on a giant, like, pyramid carried by men. And they're very ostentatious and very dramatic, these people, right? And I'm like, nobody heard of them? Yeah. Like, where they they just showed up? Like, they, they must have come, like, thousands, hundreds or thousands of miles on foot, right? Like, what? Unless they blooped by magic? And they're all, I didn't really like, I know this comes from the book, but I was like, the way they have this woman at the top and she's got the mask on, I was like, ooh, is she somebody, like, like I just feel often when a person is masked, it's because that mask is going to come off and you're going to be like, oh, she looks just like Egwon, I don't know, right? Um, and the way she was flicking her huge fingernails, I was like, uh, and, and her friend, like, everybody, it was all a little much, but I know this is. A fantasy novel. And then his name is Ishmael. Ishmael's up there on the stairs with her. The Dark Ones. He's not the yeah. Dark One. He's the Dark Ones. He's the Dark he's Ones, like, lieutenant guy, right? Right hand, yeah. yeah he's right. So he's, he gets around because he's up there with her. But he was, I mean, maybe he because we saw him in that scene where he's in some kind of a council where the little girl crawls under the table, right? Yeah. The Council of Evil. Um, he's, like, you know, and, he's and the funny thing about that, the, funny, the thing about the uh, the Council of Evil, as you like to call it, which I kind of like, um, I wasn't <laughs> sure at first if that was a flashback or if that was present time. I was a little confused by that for a oh, minute. Oh, yeah. Me, too. I, w- I was like, is that Maureen crawling under there? Is that, like, I thought the same thing. I, yep. I thought the same thing. I thought that was Maureen when she was a kid. Yeah. But then, but then, then, I, we but saw... then actually, I forgot. But then I, and then I forgot about the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's that guy. We saw that guy. You know that guy? I can't remember his name. The guy oh, who yeah, used to come yeah, around yeah. the village who was their friend, and now he's yeah. like an evil dude. Yeah, he's with, he was in the. He's he's a he's a member of the Council of Evil. Yeah. Um, and so that's how we knew it was like current thing. Yeah. I don't know if right. that kid. I don't know if that. I don't know if that scene was meant to introduce the kid as an important character or just to show that. I mean, the, the takeaway from that was that. They're evil, but they think they're good. He's like, oh, uh, what well, if yeah, monster? We're just creatures trying to eat. Uh, you know, I'm not such a bad guy. Look at me. Do I look bad? He actually does look bad, but, you know. 
So you saw so much that I'm trying to think what happened in episode three. Well, I already spilled the thing with Iguan coming out of the arch. Uh, uh, yeah. And he's coming out of the arch. But there's some other stuff that happens, I guess, that um, – like what happened in that episode? God, for, for a show that we know. think is boring – I mean, it was three episodes. That's why it's taking us 40 minutes to talk about it because it was three episodes. Yeah. In general, in general, it still feels slow. It still feels really slow to me, right? And, like, I watched Foundation, and, like, nothing is slower than Foundation. But lately, Foundation is blowing the show away. Like, I mean, Foundation looks – Foundation costs a lot less and looks a lot better. Foundation is a gorgeous – if nothing else, Foundation is beautiful to look at. Um, this show – I, I think the costumes are good. I like the costumes a lot on this show in general. I like the tower as a fantastic set in general. But everything out in the villages, they're clearly using the same haystack for every single scene. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and everything, I wish it would all be in the day because at night I'm like, what the hell's going on? Let me turn up the brightness on my television. Um. Yeah. Right. Is it better? I think it might be better. I think these episodes might be a little better. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, moving right along. Moving on. What next? Uh, no? what, for, what, what, for, let's hit Indiana for, for Jones for, for, for just a sec. Well, I, I think we talk about that at the end. I figured we talk about India at the oh, end. Okay. Um, I was going to say, for your, for your sake, why don't we do Ahsoka next? So okay, get that out of your Ahsoka. way. <laughs> let's do Ahsoka. So this episode, so, okay, first of all, I'm pissed off that this episode was only like 34 minutes or 30, 30 minutes, 37 minutes, I think, including the credits. 38. Um, including the intro, the recap, the end credits, all of it, right? Yeah. So we're talking closer to like a 30. Um, yeah. I mean... I it's not grabbing me. Ahsoka Tano as a character is not grabbing me. She's very stiff. She's very boring. She's very quiet. She's very unemotional. She's very and look, I watched the whole show with the Mandalorian wearing armor and we saw his face like twice in three seasons and he never says more than like eight words. So, and, and I love that show, right? And I love Din Djarin. I uh, Ahsoka, as a person, is not doing it for me. Sabine is growing on me. I, I really was susceptible to that moment in the in the last episode where she cuts her hair. And she's like, I'm ready. Um, and I, she's growing on me. And, and the more they explore, the more they explain that she was raised as a Mandalorian, the more I'm starting to get her and appreciate her. Now, I don't know, when you, you've seen the previous shows, Rebels and Clone Wars and Rebels, right? Right. She, sometime, was she a child? Like, sometime, Ahsoka was a child for part of that, and then the next show, like, she's a teacher, but was Sabine, they were children? Like, I don't know how much time has gone by from the last time you saw well, them. Right. There's... Okay, so, well, Rebels, like I told you last week, Rebels ends, um, the final scene in Rebels is the same 
almost shot for shot the, the episode two uh, ending with with the tapestry right. and everything. Um, oh yeah. Now yeah, yeah. in in Rebels, you don't know how much time has passed from like the end of the show, and then you get the time jump where we see that scene. So there's no, right. we don't know how much time has passed there. It could be years. Um, now, it's now it's, years. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's definitely years. Um, I haven't really thought, I, I kind of just, I haven't really thought about how much time has actually passed, but they were talking about, in the first episode, they were talking about the Battle of Lothal, uh, and I feel like they said how long it's been. I don't remember, though. I want to say it's been like, it's probably been like five years. Okay, so a lot. They were young people, so five years is a, is maybe a lot of maturity and change. Like, if you're yeah. 15 and becoming 20, or 17 and becoming 23, those five years means a lot more than they yeah. do from now, like 30 to 35, right? Now, the whole thing with her being the Padawan is off screen. That that has not we anything we see about that is going to be through flashbacks in this. That was her, right. her being that. a Padawan to Ahsoka was not in in Rebels at all. Ahsoka was training her though, but not as a Padawan, only as like a fighter, right? Not like even really. Then. No, it didn't even get protege? that. It didn't even get that far. Nope. Okay. It, it, okay. It ended the show. Yeah, it ended before all that. Um, so that's all like Dave Filoni making that up, filling in those blanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of you know it's, it's so, basically. Uh, and just saying, this is what happened in between the times. Um, yeah. And, um, so, Ahsoka, yeah, I, I, to me, Ahsoka is the, like, so far to me, Rosario Dawson is being a little bit wasted. And Ahsoka is like, I mean, she's very stiff. She's very cold. She's very not given a lot to do as an actress. And, and then in this episode, in the second half, like, they kind of opened up a little bit with her. They allowed her and Sabine to to work together a little more and have a little bit more, like, they should, I don't know. I felt like, like the whole, it's only when they get in the fight and they get in the in the dog fight with the, they're not TIE fighters, yeah. but with the, you know, um, with the enemy ships that she starts to show a little, personality and a little energy and she and Sabine play off each other a little bit better than they previously have. Like, I, I guess, like, I don't want to be against a, like a, a character of few words because whatever, that mystery and that, whatever, there are people who are just like that, right? And she's been through, I mean, she, she survived Order 66. She's been through a lot in her life. I get it. But she's a little, she's just not a character that, like I said, there's a character on the Mandalorian that you don't even see his face ever, and he says very little, and yet I love him. I mean, I, I feel him, like I'm I, I, him. You know, I, I obviously I don't know what their plan is, but that not it's not the Ahsoka I'm used to. Like I understand because I know her history and everything why she might be the way she is, but it's like even in, even in Mandalorian she was more playful. She wasn't as rigid. Yes. You know, yeah, when we see her she talking very, to Luke, um, she was more, you know. And also when she, we saw her, like, when she approached that, you know, remember when she approaches that city and, like, the, the commander is up on the wall and she's like, you better come down here and fight me or I won't kill you or whatever, right? Like, she's, 
She's yeah. very like, I'm here to do whatever I'm here to do. Like, I can't remember exactly what she was there. She was hunting some sort of artifact or a person, and she was like, let me in, or I'll blow your house down, or I'll kill you. Like, she <laughs> she had some personality and some real action there. And then she, like, she brings Grogu to Luke, and she's like, this kid needs to be trained and whatever, and there's, you know, but she's not totally down. Like, yeah, there was this whole bit where she had a lot more thoughts and personality. Yeah, so it's this, like it's this, like she's it's kind of funny actually. It's like she's only like that. She's only it, it seems like she's only rigid when she's around Sabine. <laughs> which is crazy because Sabine is like the least rigid person ever. Like Sabine is like, blah, right. blah. Like, but I, I feel like I is. feel like it's I feel like it's because she like it, for, I feel like maybe because it's in Ahsoka's mind she feels like that's how she has to be because she's her Padawan. You know, I mean, I, that's the only thing I could think of at the I moment. Guess. I mean, maybe a little get she into it further. She apparently was her Padawan at some point. Um, I but mean, Sabine I is... Like, one thing is, I feel like Filoni is taking A New Hope and flipping it on its ear because, you know, the scene with um, Sabine when she's she's practicing... And then Ahsoka's like, here, put this helmet on. She's like, I can't see anything. She's like, I know, that's the point. Like, you have to sense things. And then Ahsoka's, like, walking around the room and everything, you know. And, you yeah. know, it just it reminds me of the first time that Kenobi is teaching Luke and he ha- and on the Falcon, and he puts the helmet on and he tells him, you know, sense the, the, the thing that's going to shoot you with a laser. You know, it's yeah. very, you know, very reminiscent of that. But obviously, Sabine did a lot worse than Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing that really throws me. I have never, ever, in the history of Star Wars, ever seen anybody try to set, train somebody in the Jedi arts that isn't force sensitive. Well, so that's a a thing that I noticed right away, and I wanted to ask you because you've watched. Um, uh, you know, but yeah, I was these shows that I have confused by that. She was never, she was never force sensitive in the in the animated no. series either, right? Like she's nope. And 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 Hu Yang, the the android, is like she's the worst. She's the least she's force sensitive I've ever seen. She's right. And the history of um, the, yep, yep. That and was funny. I, and I feel like even in the later movies, so I feel like a lot of like George Lucas still. He controls a lot of what we've seen before. He's still involved in what we see. George Lucas has always been like, the, the force is everywhere. It's around all of us. Everyone can everyone can have the force. Everyone can work the force. You just have to, right? True. But the truth is you it's really can't. I mean, it's the first time I've be... ever seen them actually try and make somebody force sensitive that wasn't. Well, yeah. So I just, I just watched um, Rogue One. You've seen Rogue One, right? I just re-saw Rogue One over the weekend. And um, in Rogue One, there's that, that guy who's like, the guy who's like the blind ninja kind oh, of yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. The, I'm one with the force, and the force is one with me. Like, he's not a Jedi, but he is force-sensitive no. and can use the force, right? Um, yes. But Well, you don't Sabine have to be a Jedi has... necessarily to be force-sensitive. But no, you're Sabine right. doesn't seem to be force-sensitive at all. Well, I think there are four sensitive there are four sensitive people who never get selected to be a Jedi because you just don't go to the right prep school, right? Like if you don't go to the right, right prep school, you don't go to Harvard. Um, and they lived on look at Ray. Like Ray lived on Jakku, 
And Ray never would have ever been trained except for circumstances, right? But there are also people who are lesser. But the uh, the idea that that Sabine has zero force sensitivity, but so how you know how in this episode or these whatever happened, um, she's like trying to train her. She's doing that whole like the New Hope thing where like put the helmet on and let me throw shit at you and you try to block it or whatever. Um, and he is like she she's nothing. She's got nothing. She's got no force sensitivity. She's the worst. And and Ahsoka says, I don't need her to be a Jedi. I just need her to learn how to fight. Right? It's something like that. I'm paraphrasing right. that. So that's fine. I get that. But previously you made her a Padawan, and you called her Padawan in this episode. And a Padawan yeah, is a Jedi trainee. And, and I think right. if, you, if, if Ahsoka really believes that Sabine has zero force sensitivity, then don't trick her and say you're a Padawan? Why are you trying to make her believe she can move a cup with her hand? Or but maybe are we that's to believe that do we all that have enough force that we should all be able to move a cup? Should every person in the universe be able to move a cup? Is that what she's saying? Like, if you can control the force, you can move a cup. Maybe you can't like, you can't like do the Jedi mind trick, but you could move a cup. I don't, I don't know what they're telling us there. Well, I think that's that's the whole point. I think it remains to be seen. I, I know it's like at first because like during the first ep- two episodes, I had made a comment like that, and and already said he was like he goes, well she she did have the the the, uh, the dark saber, <laughs> and I was like yeah, but that doesn't make oh, you more sense to him. <laughs> she had the dark saber, the dark yes. saber from yep. the Mandalorian that we've seen. Yep, that, that's how the it? Mandalorian. Um, she got it back oh, from, she's a, Man- um, she's a Mandalorian, but she's but a Mandalorian. That's, that's right. But the, but the reason she had it though, had nothing to do with the fact that she's a Mandalorian because the dark favor was lost to Darth Maul. Darth Maul took the, uh, beat. I forget who Darth Maul beat for the dark saber, but he but got he the got dark it. saber. Darth Maul got it. Darth, yeah. Darth Maul has a dark saber in Darth, Darth Maul has a dark saber in Clone Wars, and then during the destruction of his homeworld in Dathomir, he lost the dark saber. And um, in Rebels, our little band of misfits go to Dath- Dathomir, and she finds and they find and she finds the dark saber. So that's how so, she had it. So that's how she had it, and then she and brought it back Katan home. And, and that's well, that's how Bo Katan gets it. She gets it from um, Sabine's mother. Sabine. I think Sabine gave it to her mother, and then her mo- and then her mother gave it to. Bo-Katan. I forget exactly. I don't remember exactly how. I don't remember exactly how Bo Katan got it, but it started with it. It came back to the Mandalorians because of Sabine. Okay. I mean, and then they lose it to, um, what's his name, uh, uh, the guy from The Mandalorian. Yeah, they lose it eventually. Um, yeah. Still can't believe he broke it. And then get it back. That's yeah. Bullshit. I know, right? Um, so part of this whole episode, I mean, we're not really talking about the major action of this episode, which is two things happen in this episode. One is that um, General Hera goes to the council 
And she's like, let me go after General Thrawn. And they're like, no, shut up. General Thrawn is dead. Uh, <laughs> stop being so emotional, you crazy woman. You hysterical woman, stop it, right? Um, that part really bothered me. That whole part of the episode bothered me, partly because they were like, you hysterical woman, stop. You want... Partly because they're on this Ezra Bridger thing, which I feel like so I think it's not explained enough to me as a non. I think I think Dave Filoni is assuming is assuming that I'm going to do my research and Google it and be like Ezra Bridger. Oh my God, they loved him so much. It's such a big deal. He's so important. He's a he was a star. Blah blah. blah. But if you're not doing that and and they have only given you minimal exposition, which okay about how much they loved Ezra Bridger and he's missing, presumed dead, that the idea that the council would be like, oh, General Hera, you're too emotional, you want Ezra Bridger. And that she's not like, wait a minute, I just busted an entire Imperial smuggling operation. They were, like, like last week, they found, like, the shipyard was smuggling hyperdrives. And they were all like, yeah. hail, hail the Empire, blah, blah, blah. And in this episode... All these senators are like, oh, no, no, there's no imperial whatever. Don't worry about it, blah, blah. She falls back on the whole – she falls back on General Thrawn, and they're like – I don't know. I felt like Hera gave them the opportunity to say, you're just all obsessed with Ezra Bridger. And not for her to be like, there's a strategic reason here. There's a strategic reason. But also I feel like, circling back, the whole Ezra Bridger thing is not – to me, not well explained. Like, he's – is it on the level of Ray being like, I have a map to Luke Skywalker? Is that the level that Ezra Bridger is at? Like, why does everybody care about him so much? That is not coming through to me. Ezra sacrificed himself to defeat Thrawn before. Well, so that's Probably, the other I'm trying to think how Rebels, trying to think Rebels think... falls in everything. No, they haven't done any. And that's the thing. Like, Dave Filoni. I don't think he gives a shit if new people watch the show or not because he's telling yeah. his, the yeah. story he wants to tell. I mean, he has said it in interviews, if you have not seen Clone Wars or Rebels, you're not going to know what's going on. Like, he, he, he is well care. aware. Yeah. He doesn't care. <laughs> At least that's well, the impression I, I mean, get. Is that a strategic move for Disney? Because I also feel like Thrawn is not. Because I occasionally well, run up against Star Wars news. I know that Thrawn was a big deal, but I don't think I mean, this show unless, is good. Unless their goal is for people to, you know, like you said, you're not going to Google it, but maybe that's what they're trying to do is not so much get people to Google it, but get people to go back and watch the Clone Wars and watch Rebels so that they do know what's going on. Maybe that's their goal to get more yeah, views but... on the streaming service. I, I, I don't know what the goal is. It's just because the I whole thing is like, going to culminate in a movie. And, that, and that's the thing. I, yeah, it's, it's like all going to culminate like in a movie. Marvel Universe thing. Heir to the Empire. Marvel Universe yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly, well, it's exactly what it is. I mean, it's going to, I mean, this movie is going to have everybody we see in Ahsoka. It's going to have Din Djarin and Boba Fett and maybe think, Grogu. And, yeah. Yeah, Grogu, yeah. I mean, we know Andor, Captain Andor is dead, we know, but um, I feel like this show could benefit from a very brief conversation of characters telling me how bad Admiral Thrawn, Thrawn is, because I feel like they're like, Admiral Thrawn, Admiral Thrawn is still alive, Thrawn 
Tyrannosaurus say? Tyrannosaurus is still alive. Tyrann was the main guy. He's the only general who's still alive, and they're very, like, but nobody really gives a big, like, I guess I could use a sentence where somebody's like, I was on planet blah, blah, when he showed up. You know how in, like, in Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, where they talked about the the Klingon War and, like, the Doctor, they, you know, like, Chapel was on the planet, and she was like, oh, my God. He's right. Such a, you know, we went through all that, and I, I, I'm not getting why, because I come from my experience of Star Wars. Darth Vader is really the worst guy there is, right? Although Kylo Ren is a giant pain in my hand. He's the worst, right? But, but really, Darth Vader is the worst in Star Wars, I guess. And if they're going to be so worried about Thrawn, and this is a pre, this is a pre, Vader story, but no. I feel like it's an a, no, no, this oh, is no, after no, Vader. no, it's not. Vader's this dead. Is this right, is right. after right. I'm the wrong. Empire. This is post Vader. This is in between. This is in between four, five, six, and then the final yes. movies. You're right. This is, this is after. Yeah. You're right. Sorry, I didn't say that. No, that's but, all right. <laughs> it can but, be. It can be a little confusing. Especially considering, especially considering Rebels takes place during A New Hope. So it's all... <laughs> yeah, right? So these are people who experienced Darth Vader, and they're like, oh, Thrawn's bad, Thrawn's not bad, whatever. Like, what? Like, they... I feel like I could appreciate maybe just a couple sentences of some characters explaining to me. Because to me, Thrawn and Ezra Bridger... They're MacGuffins right now, to me, not having watched those early series. Right. Um, and, like, the map to the map to Ezra Bridger could be a map to Luke Skywalker. It could be a map, it could be a map to a Rubik's Cube. It could be a map to a, a gun, right? Like, it's not, like... So, no, I get what you're saying. Um, and allow me to at least give you a little information so that you have some sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way. Had Thrawn been around, had had Ezra not sacrificed himself and taken Thrawn out of the picture, um, things could have gone di- very differently um, because if Thrawn was still around and Vader at the same time during everything we saw in four or five and six, things things could have gone differently because Thrawn is was a is a very formidable foe. You just don't know that yet. <laughs> But, Thr- but Thrawn is like Thrawn a... was probably Thrawn was probably the 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 most feared person next to Darth Darth Vader during that time of the war. But he's not a Jedi. He's like just a human genius. Well, he's not. He's, he's not. He's humanoid. He's humanoid, but he's not human. Right, he's but, blue. But he's just. He's not a Jedi. He's not Force guy. He's just. He's, a... No, no, he's not a Force he's, guy he's or anything. But he's he. A, a, but now he's. He's an evil genius. He is strategically probably one of the, you know, smartest people ever in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of us who would appreciate this a small conversation about why it's a big deal. Yeah. And because we saw that scene where the council, where Hera talks to the council, and she's like, oh, i got to go after these guys. And I'm like, hell no, whatever. And we see Mon, it's great to see Mon Mothma, right? And she seems to react appropriately. And there's there's another senator who's like, whatever, you're crazy, he's dead, whatever. And and I mean, I, I guess they're trying to show us the council starting to be fractured and fall apart and not really appreciate the danger 
or maybe they're showing that the council could be aligned with, I mean, that guy could maybe be a pro-empire guy. Who knows, right? Although I doubt it because his planet was totally, yeah. like, he comes from a planet that was totally, like, black, like, right? Wasn't his planet destroyed? Whatever. Anyway, all of that is sort of like, but I get what you're saying, that Dave Filoni doesn't care. Dave Filoni's like, Karen, go back and watch it all, and then come back to me, and then complain <laughs> about it. Right? Yeah. Kind of. All right, so let's change the subject and talk about the main part of the episode, which is that that scene where the dog they're fight. the dog fight, yeah, where they're being which chased, is something else, um, which is something I, I which is something else I feel like is a different perspective of a New Hope with Luke and Han during when they're yep. when they're leaving the Death Star, you know. I mean, so and much actually, of this episode scene, was was a New Hope, right? This was a New Hope in in miniature, kind of. Well, that's that's what. I, I, that's what I said. I've been getting the New Hope vibes since the first episode. Yeah. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it, or just Dave Filoni's just having fun. <laughs> yeah. Because there's the whole, like, put on the helmet and let me try to fight you thing, which makes, uh, we talked about that, it makes no sense if you're not Force-sensitive. But then there's the part where, hey, kid, get in the, get in the gun ship in the back. Get in the gun in the back and let's, you know... Um, yeah, I like when she's like, I like when she's like, you changed my preset. <laughs> she's like, she's yeah. like, force sensitive people don't need presets. <laughs> but she's not. Well, she said like, yeah, I don't need them. Um, and then, you know, there's a part where they have a bad disconnect where Sabine can't hit anything at all. And she's sort of like, um, Ahsoka, you're not listening to me. You're not letting me, like, call the shots. She doesn't say that, but she's sort of like, well... And then it's sort of like, all right, let me let they start communicating a little bit better and it allows them to take out a few of their enemies, not that many. Um, I liked it. This is another thing that I thought was maybe not as edited or lit as well as it could have been, but it was pretty good. I thought Ahsoka's ship, I forget what it's called, but the, you know, she's got those like spinny sort of wings on it. I mean, I think Boa had a similar ship like that where the wings spin around. Um, that was pretty cool. How do you like that part where Ahsoka goes out on – she puts on a suit, and she's like, let me go outside and distract them while you fix the ship. I feel like that was scene. really cool. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that was fun. It was cool. First it never one. occurred to yeah. me that a Jedi could fend off like – like we've seen a Jedi – fend off other lightsabers or like blasters, like like stormtroopers have blasters and they're shooting at you. We rarely see them fighting off the kind of shots that come out of a a, a starfighter, right? Um, yeah. And that I mean, we've seen it. We have seen it. We don't see it that much. We've seen it, just um, not not in that not in that way though. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, it was a little, like, I was kind of frustrated, but it was kind of cool where, like, the shots come, and then they're getting too close, and then Ahsoka is like, let me do a backflip, but I'm in space, so let's allow it to take 12 seconds for me to, like, do this flip up there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, it's been here all along, right? <laughs> She's going to get shot. She's going to get shot. It was very, like, it, it, there was a lot of tension. For me, there was a lot of tension in that, where she flips, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're in space. It's so rough. Yeah. 
Um, and then she cuts off the wing of one of those ships, which was kind of awesome, right? Um, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Well, because we saw that, you know, we saw Ray do that in a previous movie. Um, oh, yeah, on the ground. I, yeah, she did it on the, on the ground. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was kind of cool also that, like, it's it's kind of, I don't know, I felt like there were things I liked and didn't like. Like, the fact that it was such a, it was only 30 minutes and, um, I, I don't know. That's I thought the funny thing. I didn't what, the feel like it was only I, – I, it's the thing. I feel like – I didn't feel like it was only 30 minutes. Like, a lot of times I'll complain about the short episodes. Like, they'll get over and be like, that's it. I didn't feel that way with this episode for some reason. Maybe because I feel well, like there was I, a lot of action. Once the action got going, it felt like a lot. To me, very slow in the beginning because I'm like, really? Like, like all this, like, Ahsoka and Sabine talking about, like, your training – and let's try to, like, move a cup, and let's try it. Like, it was rehashing A New Hope, which is kind of cool. And when I when I mentioned to you on text, I was like, fan service? Like, that's a little fan service-y, right? Um, but also cool. Um, but it took a while. And yet, then we get to this, like, fight scene. I think um, the dog fight was, I don't know. I guess it felt like I, I could have... It took up probably that probably took up half the episode, right? Like I don't know, like there was oh, a yeah. lot he's going a, on there. Um, a ton happens where like the robot guy who he's like disabled, and there's like all this like exposition and drama happening. Um, it was a good fight scene, I think. I think I would have appreciated seeing a little more of so. The blonde woman, she's like, is she a Sith? She's the Padawan to the Sith. Whatever is going on with these two evil, like, Jedi kind of people. And I forget her name. Her name is Hari, I think. Hari, right? Is her name? Um, we only really get to see her sitting in the cockpit and talking a little bit. And we didn't get to see a ton of her exhibiting any talent for flying, talent for this. Like, she's... Um, which is fine. I guess maybe someone wanted this to be an opportunity to showcase more Ahsoka and Sabine's connection and skills. Maybe I shouldn't be asking for the villain's skills. Um, and it was also about showing. So I did kind of question where Ahsoka's like, let's keep flying at the ring. Let's just fly into the ring. Like, it's a giant and scary, and we don't know what it is, and it has a million guns, but let's just fly <laughs> at it. Let's just do that, right? Right? And they it's a hyper drive. Uh, but it totally paid off because for me, the number one best part of this whole episode was the space whales. Yep. Space right? whales. They are fly, awesome. they get shot, they have to crush on this planet and these and, and so you have seen them in their part of Rebels, Rebels. I think. They're they're part of the final episode. Yeah. They're, they, they're a big they, they're a big part of Rebels. Because they are actually – so at the end of Rebels, defeat Thrawn, Ezra sacrifices himself um, because these, those, those – I don't know if – I don't remember if they explained it in the episode. I think they made a comment about them. Oh, yeah, actually Sabine and, and uh, Ahsoka have a conversation about them. Those space whales can travel in the hyperspace lanes. 
Like they can like right. they can travel as fast as a, as a ship. So that's how they defeated Thrawn. Like Ezra basically sacrificed himself by grabbing Thrawn, jumping on a whale, and getting hyper driven light years away, which is where they are, whatever universe they're in now, whatever galaxy they ended up in. That's how so, they ended so up. Alive and that's so the, right, and that's the whole that's the whole premise of this whole thing. Those the, this you know to get to this galaxy, um, this other galaxy, it's because of the hyper hyperspace lanes that the whales created. So like hyperspace lanes are a thing in space that we're not maybe accustomed to in other science fiction kind of stories, but hyperspace is not a machine right in Star Wars time and space yeah in, there are I mean, yeah, in Star Wars that's how they always yeah there's like there's certain coordinates you have to fit in I mean you can go into hyperdrive in any place but to get to a specific location fast that you have to navigate to the lane yeah. and then it's, and that, it's, but it's an like, invisible thing you know what I mean it's invisible yeah. it's not something you can go oh there's yeah. the exit ramp over here yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and that's why even like early on you see characters who are I mean, even Han and Chewie are, like, putting in the coordinates and trying to get it dialed in and right. find it, right? Because you're going into not like a wormhole, but a slide or a lane or a, a yeah. HOV lane, IC lane. So, and the whales, cre- the idea is that the whales created it or the whales can find they, they it. Can they, they, can, they, they can create new lanes that aren't there. Uh, this is kind of not unlike in the new Star Trek where – they use those tardigrades to find their new, their own hyperdrive kind of thing, right? Similar, yeah. But they also use a creature. Anyway, I thought those whales, so I, I had not really, I didn't know about that. Um, I have, space whales have also been seen in Doctor Who, by the way, but they're very different. That was, they were so cool looking. They did a pretty good job, I think, with the yeah, they were VFX awesome. with that. They were awesome. I love the clouds. There was a part that was like, are they in space? Are they in the atmosphere? Are they part of this planet? It took me a minute to figure it out because I didn't know all this. In the and actually, um, there's, there's actually a, an Easter egg in the first episode when they're on the Lethal. Um, there's actually a, a space whale in the clouds uh, in, that, in one of the oh, scenes yeah? that I didn't catch. I didn't catch it. I read about it afterwards. It reminded me also a little bit I guess it's a new hope where the Millennium Falcon is like going between all these little asteroids or whatever and like going through all these clouds and trying to hide from type. Like it felt familiar, but cool. They were, I mean, they looked amazing. It was cool. I love, I, I thought it was like the highlight of the episode for me was um, going through all these beautiful whales and yeah. using them as your, oh, I was actually worried they were going to get shot. There were part times where I was like, wait, don't shoot the whales. Don't shoot the whales. What's going to happen? Like I was really worried about the whales getting shot. Um, but that never happened. The, the whales are so then, the whales are so big that a shot isn't going to do much to them. If they get hit. It's kind of like it, a little pinprick hitting a yeah. yeah, yeah, basically when you stick yourself mm-hmm. with a needle. Yep. And so in the end, they land in this red. Don't know how many how many sci-fi series will we watch that have a red forest? I feel like oh my god, there was a red forest in the fringe. Obviously, um, Twelve Monkeys was all about the red forest for seasons. I was like, oh my god, another forest with red I think I think actually maybe on Discovery there was a red forest. They're in the red forest. It ends up there hiding in the there red forest, been. right? 
Oh, he's a red forest. It must be a sci-fi. It must be a sci-fi thing. The red forest. Maybe. <laughs> I have one more question for you before we let this go. Um, yes. During all of that dogfight, so um, Honey Hata, the, the the blonde, um, the blonde, is she a sit? I don't know what they are. The blonde antagonist woman. I'm not uh, really so sure. I don't think they're not necessarily Sith. I think they're. I mean, Jedi. I, I would. She's a Padawan, right? She's a Padawan. She's a Padawan. Yeah, she's she's Padawan. She's she's Padawan. The, the other guy used to. The other guy was a youngling, and he survived Order sixty six. Um. And so he's not maybe unlike Ahsoka, in that not a Jedi, never went the Jedi route, Padawan. Um, well, I, I would I would make them um, in comparison. I I would say they're closer to Inquisitors than anything else that we've seen. So that's my question. See, you asked me. I have a second question now, but this is where I was going with this: was that she is flying and she seems to be leading the there. There's six fighters and she's the leader, but they're three and three, right? And the second squadron leader is this guy with this mask on. He's an Inquisitor, right? I don't know what I don't. Okay. I think he's just a. I'm not really sure. I don't think he I mean, was he has a red. He has he a red lightsaber, right? He's a red lightsaber, and he has that weird Did mask he? on. I don't remember. I don't know. And so could here's a, another could thing. A, could be one of the. He could be one of the robots, for all we know. So wh- I'm going to tell you what I said. <laughs> this is what I said when we talked about Wheel of Time. Like half an hour ago on Wheel of Time, I said. If a character is wearing a mask, is it because they're going to be a person that you know later when they reveal that mask? So this guy is wearing a mask, and his voice was like, he had like an electronic voice. You couldn't hear it. So I think he's just one of the, I think he's one of the androids. He's an android? I think he's a human. Well, not android. Not android. I I thought he was just a droid. Like those other droids that we saw on Lethal that tried to, that, that, uh, they took the map from Sabine. Yeah. I mean, no, you know, he, it, uh, not the obviously not the same droids, but I feel like he's. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he's like Vader and part machine, a, part human. I think he might be a person. I mean, not a human, but some sort. You could be wrong. Could be a person, but some sort of. I could be wrong. I could be human right. I could be wrong, but I feel like I don't know. I feel like when you have your voice disguised and your face disguised, are you going to be like turn out to be like? I don't know. Um, so I did read online. There are people who think it's Ezra Bridger who's been brainwashed to be evil. I don't think yeah, those, that. Those are, I, I, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's the, no way to explain yeah. how Ezra would ever become evil, right? Would have gotten, would like have gotten he's, back. Yeah. To, I mean, the guy does have, I mean, he has an I, Inquisitor safe lightsaber. And, but so. he's somewhere with Thrawn in hyperspace and yeah. Oh Ezra, yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying that the guy we're talking about he does oh, have uh, he has an Inquisitor lightsaber, yeah. He's an Inquisitor he lightsaber. He has an Inquisitor lightsaber. So Yeah. So we'll see. And that's All why right, I say well, the other two the other two are in the vein but not quite because their or- lightsabers were orange. Yes. Yes, which is like, yeah. does that mean you're like, can your 
lightsaber chain to bang on your mood? Is it like a mood ring? Like I'm not no, sure who it's I not am. A, it's not, if no, I turn it's, evil, we'll it's turn not, it's, no. it's, it's not a mood ring. It's, <laughs> it's, it's dependent upon which crystal you have determines the color. And apparently, I didn't realize until they told me in this show that Jedi learned to make their own lightsaber. Like Huyang was like, "Oh yes, I yes. train. Like you teach, you make your own." Yep. Because every person that yeah, we every, saw in the early Star Wars movies inherited theirs from somebody else. The only person we saw in the early, in the original movies was Luke. <laughs> well, Ray doesn't, Ray doesn't guys, build her own. Luke doesn't make okay, that's his. Not an Ray Star Wars. doesn't make hers. Oh, I'm, I Luke, mean, I, I, I get what you Luke mean. inherits one. Um, Ray inherits one. Luke inherits one. Vader inherits Luke one. inherits one. Luke inherits one, but then he um makes it, he does make his own because in Empire uh, was it Empire or, or no Jedi? it was in um Return of the Jedi um Vader makes a comment about how Luke has he says guys you've constructed yourself a new lightsaber. All right, but I didn't know until this show that that's a thing when you go to the Jedi Academy, which is that you learn how to make your own lightsaber. It, yeah, see, that's, that's you know what, that's something in, it's in uh, Clone Wars that I hadn't really thought about that they don't really mention anywhere else. It explains a lot. But anyway, all right, for another show that I thought was kind of boring and that I wasn't really that into, we talked about it for a long time. Yes, we did. Um, All right, so Invasion. Invasion, episode two of Invasion. There's a lot to like. How did you? What did you like about this? And he, what, did you like it? Um. So I liked the um the big the big thing, which is you know towards the end of the episode. But I mean, a lot of it has to do with Trevante, and he's got some serious PS, PTSD. His poor nephew. Oh my God. I mean, but at the same time, you know, oh, yeah. his sister, like, at the same time, how about how about his sister say thank you for saving my son's life? Because while Toronto yeah. yeah. lost his shit afterwards, you could at least say, hey, thanks for saving my kid's life. Because if Toronto yeah. wasn't there, your, your, kid, your kid probably drowns. <laughs> um, you know? He, so. did, he did overreact. Uh, did he overreact? Yes. He did have a reaction. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely overreacted. But... but but he did save the kid's life. You're right. And he's, yeah. I don't know, I, I like a lot about what's going on with him. Yeah. Um, However, on the flip side, on the flip side, I don't blame his sister for kicking him out. That was, that was probably the right, that was definitely the right thing to do because. Really? Cervante does need to, to yes, he, because she's right. I mean, he goes, he goes into town not to get, you know, he went into town to get food and shit and supplies, came back with beer after being gone for hours because he went to his the secret internet store. Um, you know, so she's right. You know, like, she's like, you need to move on. You need to do what you want to, you know, you need to stop sneaking around and just go do what you got to do, you know, because, you know, he's a yeah. mess otherwise. I get it. I think I, I find... kind of like, I like the part of Toronto's story where he's a guy who was in Afghanistan and he has a whole, I mean, I think he has a whole level of trauma unrelated to the aliens, right? He was in Afghanistan yeah. for, we don't know how long, a long time. He's very um, traumatized. He comes home, and, he, you know, that thing where soldiers have a hard time coming back into society, even without the aliens invading. Like, just coming back home is very difficult, right? right? And then there's an alien invasion, and so he's like, 
am I home from the war? Am I in the war? Is there a war? Is there not a war? Kind of thing. Like, I, I like what they're doing with him with that, I think. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, and then he finds the secret base. Um, oh, yeah. Which turns out to be which turns out to be Sam Neill's town. So that, that you know, the mm-hmm. whole Sam Neill storyline, which they kind of felt like they threw, you know, just they haven't come back to it, they've completely circled right back around to it. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I did not see that coming, but holy shit. <laughs> I, I love that. I, like that. I, I was waiting for that because last week when we kind of rehashed all of season one, you were like, oh, Karen, you never told me Sam Neill was in it because he died in the first episode. And we never saw him again, and I was like, yeah. And then, yeah, they're back in his town. That's the town. Um, that town is maybe sort of, uh, I like to say it's ground zero. I don't really know what I've seen. I was just going to say it could be, zero, I, feel like I, feel like, I feel like it might be ground zero. <laughs> I, I feel like, if it's not, otherwise, why are they there? Why do they focus on that town like that? I mean, they've got an entire yeah. military installation set up. I mean, if it's not the ground zero of the planet, it's the ground zero of North America or one of only yeah. a couple of places on the planet, right? It's a very different thing that's going on there. Right. Um, yeah. I really liked the whole Trevante thing. This I liked how they, I, you know, when I, when I spoke to the director, which is up on the website, um, I talked about how I loved how this episode was shot for Trevante, that whole part, it opens with a party, like a family party, and it's all shot in, like, shades of yellow and gold and very colorful, and I feel like so much of all of season one was shot in shades of gray and black and very cold and very, and then we find him at home in, in Miami with his family, and it's a very warm kind of thing, and then he goes into the, when he goes to the internet shack, I love the internet cafe because it was, like, very, it's like a dark little black tent with like all these. I feel like that's what it would look like in the future, like in the in oh, the yeah. world to go to an internet cafe. That's what it'd be like, right? It's a tent with like a bunch of like servers and whatever. And I just liked how they were. I, I liked how they how they shot him and how visually they took Trevante's story in this episode, um, and and where he went with it. And he's got the. Uh, also, the idea that he's got the notebook is crazy, right? Like, when I watched it, I was like, wait, like, I get it. But but also in this episode, we get to see not Casper, but the Casper storyline. I'm like, wait, the notebook's in America. The notebook is going to – wait, he's going to, he's going to drive to Oklahoma. He's literally going to Oklahoma with the notebook. Meanwhile, the kids in, in the U.K. have a totally separate thing going on, which was kind of crazy but awesome. I like the yeah, I like, kids also. I, I do too. I was just gonna say the second half, the sec, other side of the episode with Jamila and and the kids and Monty and everything. I like that a lot too. I like the fact that Casper is like sending her signals through dreams, and that she saw the and she saw the red moon before she saw the red moon. You know. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I like all that. I love the stuff. I love the, I love when they break into Monty's house and set the, all the car alarms off. Oh yeah, yeah. And I like um, I, I and like then, I like Monty's little sister. She's gonna be fun. I kind of like Monty. Like I don't like Monty because Monty is the bully of the school, right? Monty was yeah. Monty's a still terrible a jerk, bully. but you get it. Uh, and you kind of got it. 
like last season. Monty well, yeah, we got it last season. Where, where yeah. Monty's a terrible bully, but he's got some issues, but he still falls back. Like, I do like, in general, how this with this whole storyline, kids, we talked about it last week, they didn't just become adults because the aliens came. They still are stuck in their middle school, high school, hierarchy, bully, this and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it broke down a little bit. I um, I mean, you certainly learned more about Maki when you saw him with his sister in this episode. Um, taking care of this little girl, and but he's still, like, his instinct is still to be, like, the bossy... He's still a jerk. <laughs> kind of that, right? He's still a jerk. He's still a jerk, but you're starting to understand why he's a jerk a little more, right? Um, yeah. And that he and Jamila, I, I do kind of, I also kind of like the shift. Like last season, definitely Casper was the center of that storyline, and they've shifted to Jamila. And I, I like her a lot. Yeah. She's a great character. It makes sense. Um, and I like well, her. It's hard, like hard she, to focus on. Hard to focus on Casper when he's in a coma. He's missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they set her up well last season that she was sort of a a leader among those kids. I don't know yeah. how I call her a peacemaker, but maybe an argument diffuser kind of person. I mean, there were a few things that were a little cuckoo. Like, I, I do feel like watching the show, look, I like the show a lot. I'm not trying to. I'm talking about all shows about the apocalypse. I look at how this show is like Jamila's living like in a little country house with her mother and a bunch of people who seem to have sort of, they have some kind of a commune well, going yeah. on. They're, they're in a safe and, zone. And they are. Yeah. Because they're like, they're, there are definitely parts of earth where there's more attacks coming from the aliens and there are places like where Jamila lives, like Miami, like Miami seems to be pretty much like, yeah. like, like, Toronto went out and he got beer. Like, they were like, oh, get some beer. Use your ration cards to get beer. Come back, right? They were having a big old party in the backyard. They seem to not be, I don't say they're not affected, but their life is pretty okay. Whereas London is well, totally, I mean, like, gone, right? Yeah, I mean, London, to a, to a degree. Like, hey, I mean, kid, you could... Trevante's sister says, yeah. she's like, I'm going to enjoy every moment I can until it, the end comes because we have no idea when that's going to be. Like, it's just right. like everybody, you know, it just seems like everybody in Miami is just like, screw it. You know, let's, let's party till we're dead. Yes, you're right. But she's able to say, hey, go get some beer, whereas, like, at Jamila's house, yeah. you know, a guy is trying to steal food. And she's like, take what you need, but no more. They're a little more, right. you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. The aliens, the aliens have definitely not attacked every place equally. Um, no. Where was I going with this? Where was I? Where was I, I going with this whole thing? And the kids <laughs> and there. Oh, I was going to say. I was going to say. Like, do you remember in 2020, where, like, you know, March of 2020, all of a sudden, like, COVID comes around, and I couldn't get right. toilet paper for like five months, right? And so I, I kind of feel like I watch I watch this show and and every show, and I'm like, really, you having a party with beer? And everybody's like. I have a different idea about how things would be in this kind of environment. Like, I couldn't get toilet paper. Everything was closed. I couldn't buy any aspirin. Like, you know. You know what? Whatever. I got to say, I, 
I, I, I think, I think that, yeah, you know what, looking at it like that, I think invasion sheds a, an unrealistic light on the, uh, an alien invasion end of the world scenario, because I think, I think, this, I think this show gives people too much credit. <laughs> because yeah. after what we experienced yeah. in COVID, I think we had an alien invasion where they're terraforming our planet and there's only so many spots you can live. I think most people on this planet would lose their shit. Right. Let's go to Miami. Let's go to Miami. I mean, but, and yet it's probably reasonable to think like the, that kids would be the best of us. Like the kids are the kids. We see like Jamila and her crew are sort of like having the best of intentions and of course Jamila has a reason to think that she her friend is magic and has some sort of connection or whatever right like Jamila is yeah, like well, she witnessed she it, wants to get so, I mean well yeah she wants to get to Casper because he's her friend and they have a connection but also because she believes he has the ability to help them and save them um, yeah and that's why she wants to get there um you know, so she goes to she goes to this like refugee camp. She finds um, Alfie, I think, is the guy that goes with them. They go and they get to um, Monty's house. Him and his sister, like they're they're forming a you know a crew who's gonna like go and try to find Casper. That's gonna be really, I shouldn't say fun. Um, no, it's gonna be fun. It's going to be a fun road trip, at least for us as the viewer. Yeah. It's funny that I I just complained to you that Wheel of Time has characters spread around the the fantasy land, and I can't, like, they're not together, they're separate things. And yet, for Invasion, it really works for me. Like, like, I feel like the kids doing their thing in England, of course, Cervante has the the notebook, so they're connected in a way, but... like their totally separate storylines to me are heading towards a point some somewhere, right? I feel like I think the di- big difference is in Wheel of Time, we start with everybody from Two Rivers together and their friends, and they 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 are there are fellowship, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas Invasion, everybody starts separated. They have they have no connections and no reason to be connected. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and, and it's a different type of storytelling where you're getting the perspective across the globe from different parts, you know, you know, we've got, you know, we've got yeah. a storyline in Japan, we've got a storyline in London, we've got a storyline in Afghanistan, we've got a storyline, you know, now in different parts of the States, you know. Now we're in Brazil, yeah. Yeah, now we're in Brazil, so yeah. it's, it's. It's all these different stories. Now, do they connect eventually in a plausible way? Perhaps. Um, I mean, you know, Trevante going to London to have to get back home made perfect sense. And, you know, the fact that he ran into the kids, you know, I I, I didn't feel like it was falling skies. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're walking. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean. Like you walk all the way across the country and, yeah. You know, I If he suddenly bumped into Anisha in, you'd be like, what? Come on. Yeah, I mean, if Jamila and the kids and they find once they find Casper, if they end up in Brazil, I I feel like the story would be plausible because of you know Casper was to wake up, and then you know because of his connection and everything, and I wouldn't be surprised if 
uh, science guy with Mikasa. Get that guy. Um, get that guy. If, if he's a, if he, he might already be aware of Casper. So if Casper wakes up, he might be like, hey, get that kid over here. I need him, you know, so we can figure this shit out. So I yeah. can, you know, and then the, the kids are with him when that happens. I could see them all coming together. And it's a plausible way. It's not like they were just walking down the street and went, hey, there's the other main characters of the show. Yeah. Although this other part where Anisha is in British Columbia just trying to keep her kids on the run and survive, and and Trevante is like, let me drive to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Like, they're very far apart. Far apart. And I kind of, I mean, I'm kind of liking, I don't know, this show is really working. Like, separated characters are working. But I think you're right, because they were always, they didn't know each other in the beginning. It's they were already like, separate. It's not like a show where they're together and, like, we're waiting for them to find each other. And they might um, or they might not. They might not. Yeah, I, I, mean, like I, mean, I mean, this show, you know, I would go the whole show with nobody else running into each other, and I'd be fine with it. Yes, I would be, too. I feel like, I feel like, you know, the thing about this show, the premise that I love is about, everyone's experience is personal. Everybody's experience of the, of the yeah. invasion is personal. And you live in a house on Long Island with your two little kids and you just got to run. Or you're a doctor or you're a scientist or you're whatever. And they're all very different. And, and I do think they all have a little bit of contribution to make to the solution. Whether you are Mitski, who's got this, like, incredible, you know, knowledge, is Whatever she is, is she a physicist? Is she? I don't even know what she is. She's such a genius, right? But she's got this experience, and then there's this thing with Casper and the kids that have a different experience. And then I think that I do think that Travante going to Oklahoma to the to the same town of Sam Neill, he's going to experience something very different from the rest of them, right? And then there's the whole part where. The only time we see the front lines really is Anisha, right? She's the only one who ever gets attacked by aliens. <laughs> um, I mean, not really. Uh, Misty did last week, but they all have a separate experience of the invasion. They have a little bit of a part to play somehow, right? But I think you're right. They, if they never meet each other, that's fine, as long as their little bit of knowledge gets fed up to the final countdown. Yeah. Somehow, right? Hmm. Well, I wish Jamie watched it, but I appreciate that the first season was, you know, maybe a little harder to jump onto, but I think the show, I like the show. I think it also looks good. Also, the dark show, the darkness, every show, every streamer, every time <laughs> at night, I'm like, what am I looking at? What the hell's going on? But in general, you know what? Really you know what you need? Certain. You know what you need? What, you glasses? need those, uh, those, I say you need those night vision glasses. Oh my the God! That, no, I don't. The, the ones, no, I do not. The ones that the ones the ones that people no the ones that people wear some people wear at night to, for because they have trouble seeing at night when they drive. I bet if you wore those in your living room watching the TV show, you could see the the, the night the night scene no. better. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, AJ. You know what I need? I need it for the creators of these shows to pay more attention to the quality of their nighttime scenes. I'm not the only person who struggles. No, I know, no, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, there's, 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 there's lots of stuff where you, it's hard to see at, at night on some of these shows. 
there was something else recently that a lot of people are complaining about. I can't remember what it was. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I'm so anyway. I'm so glad you like Invasion because it, it's great. I'm glad you watch it with me. This might be more how the world ends for us. Um, not knowing what the hell's going on, we're not ever gonna like. I, I like that after four months, the world. I mean, the world has this sort of weirdly UN-ish kind of thing that they creep me out a little bit. I feel like that cannot go well. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So before we, we have a few minutes left, we have 20 minutes left. Um, yes. You watched Indie this week. How'd you like Indie and Joe? Yes. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was your typical Indiana Jones adventure. Um, and it's actually funny because um, Damon had, you know, never seen them. So, when you know, when the new indie hit the theaters, we started watching um, all the other movies. Oh, and, yeah, yeah well, we were, we, were, we were putting off uh, Crystal Skull. Like, we kept oh, waiting. And I was like, so and I was like, yeah. I was like, and, and I was like, uh, I was like, all right. Destiny, uh, Dial of Destiny just hit VOD, so I was like, we need to watch Crystal Skull now. And I got to tell you, yeah. honestly, it's funny. This is only the third time I've watched the movie. I saw it in the theaters. I gave I it another shot it? when it came out originally on TV, and we watched it. And I was like, you know what? It actually isn't as bad as I remember it. Like, I really? feel like... It's it's not it's definitely not the it's it's definitely the worst of the five movies. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But it's not bad as I remember it. And I think watching mm-hmm. it now, it's been a few years. I think part of it is I realized two reasons I didn't like it to begin with. One, I think I was desensitized to aliens because it was, everything was aliens at the mm-hmm. time when that movie yeah. originally came out. And it was just like, oh, my God, aliens again. I'm like, really, Indiana Jones, aliens, you know? Yeah. And, you yeah. know, like, Artie, Artie, Artie was like, he's like, well, everything in Indiana Jones is kind of out there. I was like, I was like yeah, but everything, I was like, everything else was kind of divine in its way. You know, I was like, now they're like aliens. Um, but watching it now, I was like, you know what? It's, it, everything else leading up to that isn't bad, you know? And it, Except for oh, really? Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, so, Shia LaBeouf uh, he was so – I think that's the other thing. I, I couldn't stand him to begin with. So the fact that when I – you know, I, I was dreading it. I remember when it first, you know, came out and he was cast and everything. I was like, really him? I'm like, why? I'm like, they want to hand the mantle over to this guy? I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah. I was like, if it wasn't for the robots, he never would have been able to carry, you know, he couldn't carry Transformers by himself. He needed big robots. Yep. So I was like, I you know, I, so I think that kind of, that kind of jaded me originally. Um, so, but watching it now with, you know, just, just enjoying the movie with Damon for what it mm-hmm. is and not worrying about all that other stuff. I was like, you know, there are some ridiculous things. I feel like I, one of the scenes I always hated and I still hate is when Shia LaBeouf's character is swinging through the jungle on the vines. I thought that oh, was yeah. ridiculous. That, that, that's, you know, but like, like yeah. the, you know, and it, it, you know, about, and that's the thing with all these action movies is each movie, the action sequences have to get more and more exaggerated 
because you have to outdo the last movie. Like, you, you yeah. go all the way back to Raiders, and all the action in that is plausible. The Rock and everything that Indy does, you know, with the whip, and, and you know, it's all plausible things that aren't that bad, yeah. you know? So, and even Temple of so Doom I, isn't that bad. Yeah. I mean, bad. it's not good. The Temple of Doom is not an adequate follow-up to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, Raiders well, is Temple, almost perfect. Temple of Doom is... Temple of Doom is a prequel. Okay, but but it comes out afterwards. It was what I mean, right? Right, it comes out afterwards. In terms of the movies coming out, it's a follow-up. And Raiders of the Lost Ark was so almost perfect a film. In terms of what Spielberg and Lucas were trying to do with that movie, they they nailed it, right? They almost couldn't follow it up. Absolutely. And so they followed up with with, um, Temple of Doom, um, which, you know... uh, has a bunch of issues that we need to get into. I mean, there are issues with the the female, the, the way they, not only as Kate Capshaw, but the way they did that, the way they, there's so much in that that is. Anyway, then comes the Sean Connery, um, Last Crusade, which is a much better film. Um, and then comes Crystal Skull. So I, I also, like you, I watched Crystal Skull, in preparation to see Dial of Destiny. It's been so long since the Dan Jones film. Let me see how it ends. Um, I feel not as kind as you do. I, I mean, <laughs> Charlotte Buff is terrible. He's terrible in that movie. But the character is terrible. I mean, the idea that... Yeah, oh yeah, the character is so bad, too. Look, the Mutt. writing is so bad. His character is named Mutt. I mean, I guess he's named Dan Jones up third or fourth or whatever, but... Mutt. His name is Mutt. And I'm like, wait, is this like some sort of Archie comic version? And he's riding around. He's like on a motorcycle with a leather jacket. I'm like, am I watching The Wild Ones? This is an old Jimmy Cagney movie. From the he, like, and that's, what that's the hell the is going on too. here, right? He does not look good in that role. Like, he doesn't – he looks ridiculous as, you know – and, and, you know, like and you guys a wannabe the time period, motorcycle thug. That's yeah. That's what he yeah. looks like. He looks like a wannabe. That's the perfect way to put it. He looks like a wannabe. He just doesn't have the look for the style at all. Yeah, it's all very <laughs> poorly done. It's all yeah. He doesn't. He, and like, if you wanted, if, if you wanted to make a movie where you're like, oh, Indiana Jones' son. Guess what? He grows up to be a bully, riding around the mo- not a bully, but he's like sort of this motorcycle guy. That's not maybe the actor you would cast. Maybe not the way you would write it. Like it was just so. Uh, it's easy to blame it on Shia LaBeouf, and there's a lot to blame on him. But there's a lot to blame on the writers also, and the way that movie comes together. And then also, I think, uh, I think, uh, what's your name? Kate Blanchett, is that it? Karen, um, no, Karen Allen. Oh, you're talking about the Russian. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. The Russian, right? I mean, I think the whole Russian thing is very badly done. I appreciate that maybe they were like, oh, we can't just have Nazis in every movie. And it was, <laughs> in the time it came out, they're like, oh, the Russians were a much um, more realistic yeah. villain for the viewing audience. But they made her with that jumpsuit and that hair and that accent and the whole, like, you know, uh, like she the whole dominated. Russian thing didn't. Yeah, right? And it didn't play well. Every part of the movie is bad. Like, let's let's start in the beginning. 
where Indiana Jones survives a nuclear test by being inside a refrigerator, which I get. Yeah, maybe really. But it was redlined. Like, the Kate Blanchett character was terrible. The Russian villain, the femme fatale, she just didn't connect in her. So there's so much that was, like, yeah, it just, so much, almost you know what it was? She, you know what it, you know what it is about her? It's she's not. She doesn't seem as formidable as some of the previous, so, some of the other villains we've had in the Jones franchise. She's yeah. very, yeah, yeah. She's very one note. I mean, there's not a lot of interaction after they escape yeah. the camp. I mean, it's just her following them. You know. And she's not the first female nemesis. Like, there was um, Last Crusade, where... Yeah, know, she was... That, oh, I yeah, mean, she was much better. She was a fantastic was, um, villain, right? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, that's... Uh, uh, oh, crap. I know. Put it aside, it'll come back. She actually... And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, she actually is Russian. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't do the actress's name. Um... But they set us up for, I mean, I think it's kind of good that uh, Destiny didn't come out for, like, how many years is it? 15 years? 20 years? Oh, God, it's, came been, out? it's been a long time. I think it helped that we hadn't seen that in a long time, and we didn't have any kind of, like, the, the bad taste of how the, the franchise kind of didn't end on a good note allowed us to come into this movie a little better. And although I watched it and I thought that movie was terrible, I came into it with a better idea. I kind of liked this movie. I kind of liked the old 80-year-old Indiana Jones in this. I don't know if you did. Yeah. I kind of liked oh, the I, way I, they... I loved it. Yeah. I liked the way they... Yeah, I his... loved it. I really liked the part where very early in the movie, maybe not immediately, but pretty early, we see him, like, we see Harrison Ford gets out of bed like, he's in his boxer shorts, he has no shirt on, like, somebody's making, he's like, you damn kids, be quiet! And we get to see yeah. Harrison Ford's, like, 83-year-old body, right? And I kind of was like, I, I kind of liked how they're setting it up, like, who Indy is going into this show right now. Yeah, and I love, so you, know, so, you know, seeing the divorce papers on the table, um, yeah. which I was like, I was, I was like, I was like, really? I was like, poor Indy, man. I was like, they finally get together in the last movie. I was like, I was like, what's the matter? I was like, they couldn't. I was like, they couldn't get Karen Allen to come do the last Indy movie, and then of course we see her at the end of the movie, and, and the whole yeah. story makes more yeah. sense. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm yeah. good with the wait. You know, but that but that was the thing until until Indy tells us that Mud died in the war. That you know, then it's like, oh, I get now. I get what happened to them because you know that happened. So I love when, that. I mean, I think yeah. going to the war was brilliant because... Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, like, first of all, because we all hated that character in that movie, and to kill him explains why we're not going to see him, thank you. But also, you're right, like, gives us a, a better insight into why. Why Indy and Marion didn't make it. Yeah. Why they are broken up. Although apparently still married, right? Um, yeah, well, they were in the beginning stages of... Yeah. Yeah, like, so I did not love um, the Phoebe Waller-Bridge character. Like, you know, he, so in, I heard her name in the movie, she but was, he's like. You know what bothered me about her character? 
and, and it, no, nothing that she did was was bad. I thought I thought she did. Her action scenes were great. I thought everything. I, I did like the character, but I feel like it was. I, I was kind of surprised they introduced another character to us. Um, and I felt I, I don't know. I just felt like I mean I kind of like the fact that for once he didn't have a love interest. Um, yeah. I, I liked that aspect of it because you know these action movies they have a love interest and whatnot and everything. So I liked the fact that it was you know it, you know somebody close to him but not in a romantic sense. Um, but it's like you know I just felt like wait really we're introducing another like I thought it would been kind of cool if she turned out you know she was the daughter of like um, um, of of uh, oh god Marcus you know like if it turned out she was the daughter yeah, of Marcus, Marcus or yeah. somebody. You know, somebody that we knew, somebody we can make more of a connection with. You know, instead they introduced this new character in the beginning on the train with yeah. him. And then, you know, and then we have his daughter and everything yeah. and get the flashbacks and whatnot. Um, but then I felt like also her little sidekick there, I'm like, it reminded me of Short Round, you know? Yeah, so it was I like, I felt, it was like they, I felt like they were trying. I felt like they were trying to recreate that magic with him in Short Round and, I just felt, you know, um, I mean, overall, I liked it. I love, you know, um, like you know, it, yeah. we, you know, what, you know, we watched it with Damon, of course, and he's like, how, you know, when when they go to um, uh, the ear of, oh, oh yeah, they go in that cave. Oh, Dionysus. Um, I love when they when they go there and everything, and they find that you know the secret caverns and everything. And Damon's like, "How has nobody found this before?" I'm like, "Damon, that is the beauty of archaeology." I was like, "There are things that were originally there that through time people have forgotten about, and we have people that rediscover these things, and that's what you know, we, you know, it's like it's like going on a, back in time, you know." I was like, "That's the wonderful thing is like we have all these things in the world today that are right in front of us." but we don't know they're there, <laughs> you know? It's like every yeah. time I turn around, they're, they're just, every time I turn around, they're discovering another tomb in Egypt or they're finding yep. something else in Rome, you know? And Rome's not so that big, but they keep finding shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like downtown Rome, yeah, they do, yeah. So how do you like the part where they literally in the end go through time? Like I, I like I always like the part of these movies where they're searching for the dial of the dial, right? And they look for parts, but it's a very like like archaeology focused story for a while. And Indy 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 as a character has been like, Well, the legend is this, the story is that, I'm not gonna say it really happens. Which for a guy who in the first movie like saw the Ark of the Covenant, but he's always like a little bit. He's always a skeptic, right? Which is okay. Right. Um, and in the end, Which, in the end, you know, yeah. I was just say I like what he says to her um, when they're arguing about it. He says it's not about whether you believe it or not; it's how hard you believe it. Which I think. Yeah. Is kind of very telling, and that exp- and that and that kind of explains all right there. Like, yeah, you talk about a guy who saw the Ark of the Covenant and what it can do, but yet he's always skeptical. I mean, he, you know, everything that happened to him in Temple again, you know, all this yeah. mystical yeah. stuff. But you know, 
Yeah. <clears throat> and I like, you know, I like, I love the fact that when he's like, you know, it's not, no, there's no magic. It's not magic. And he's right. Because what we see in the first three movies, it's all divine, you know? Um, and yep, the third, yeah. the, the fourth, the fourth movie is aliens, which, which tends just yeah, closer to science. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this was, and this was science, you know, this is yep. scientific. It wasn't magic. Um, so I thought, there was a part of me that thought that nothing was going to happen. Number or you know, and that's the thing. Again, here I am. I've seen all the other movies. I see that all these things actually come to be, but there's that part of me that's still skeptical because even though Indiana Jones has these outlandish things that they're, they're going after these, these, you know, divine myths and whatnot or scientific myths and everything, there's that part, still that part of me in the movie that's going, is it actually going to happen? Is there anything that's actually going to happen? Are they, you know, yeah. when they get the whole dial, is anything actually going to happen? I actually really appreciated the fact that it wasn't what they thought it was. I thought that was great that yeah. you couldn't just turn the dial and find a rip in time and go back in time to where you want to go or whatever. It, li- it literally was like, a, you know, it was like, it was like a beeper to find your way home. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. when he says yeah. when he says to Archimedes, he's like he's like, This was just so you could come home. Like that's all it was. <laughs> yep. I thought that was yeah, a great I little mean, twist. I, it was. Um but I appreciated the part where Indiana Jones gets to have that experience also. Like like we have seen him be an yeah. archaeologist for all this time and 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 go through some mystical and divine kind of things and there's this moment where are you gonna you know when they're on a plane and they're through time and they're not he goes in time and then he's like should i stay here like i I, i'm not sure that i really believe that indiana jones would be like i want to stay here i mean he he was injured and was gonna die right he's i'm injured i might die let me stay here let me be with these guys and TV Aubrey, no way, there's no way that. you're going to fuck up the timeline, right? But you believe does that he fuck up the timeline? Because, because what happened, ha- I, 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 I went lost on this one. What happens happened because we see how he gets to watch. And Archimedes even right, says really to watch. him, you were, you were always meant to come here. Like you are, yeah. you know, like this is always how it was supposed to be. You know, and we see that he gets to watch yeah. from, um, Mads Mikkels, uh, yeah, which I didn't think, you, you know what, yeah. the, by the way, the villains, I didn't even care about the villains in this, because I didn't feel like the villains were actually they formidable. Were not that, they were not and, good. They were not scary. They weren't, the, right? the adventure, never, it, was, it was more about, it was more about the adventure than the villains, because the villains were not really, yeah. the villains, I feel like, are an afterthought, and I was a little disappointed, because when he got, when they were on the train, and he got hit by the, uh, by the, 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 swingy thing on from the, the train station i thought for sure the next time we saw him he was going to have like a big old scar or something on his face and there was nothing wrong with no, him yeah no, no. i was a little disappointed by that but there was nothing yeah i mean the villains were defeated very easily i mean their plane crashed the early part of the movie where there's those like creepy kind of fbi guy some blonde guy but there was the yeah. FBI lady, the the black lady, she, and yeah. like, I really, there was a very, you know, I, I love the whole 70s scene where they had these multiple 
law enforcement people who didn't trust each other didn't know. But as soon as they killed her, they kind of lost me. Like, I, I kind of liked her. Um, yeah, I did I guess, like her, too. I get why they killed her, I guess. Uh, but, um, like, I, you know, that, I wonder if there's a significance. I wonder if there's any significance to why they chose uh, June 17th, 1969 as a, as a specific date. Like, I thought there was going to be more about the moon landing than there was. Yeah, yeah something like, and, that, and they don't even notice it because they're doing their own thing, right? They barely well, yeah, I mean, that, well, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're, you know it's, I mean, it starts out, and they're, you know, they can make a big deal about it in the beginning of the movie. They're like, it's moon day, man. And then and, there's nothing. Then it never. There's nothing. And then there was nothing. That, and they're like, oh look, the astronauts. The astronauts are on TV, and and then nothing. So I mean, I don't know, it, it, maybe yeah. it's just the MacGuffin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, I I I, I I've always liked the parts of Indiana Jones, like where they're you know he finds something and he kind of explains it. I just I love them discovering things and having to figure the puzzles out and everything. Um, you know, it was just the typical, and the chase scenes were great. I really liked they the were. chase scenes. I thought all the chase scenes were done really well. Um, and I also thought the chase scenes were appropriate for an 80 year old protagonist, right? Like they were chase yeah. scenes that involved like someone was like Indy being like, what are you doing? These are all our bridge or jumping out. Like he was very like, like I thought they were appropriate for his age and, and experience, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty. Like, I didn't, and I didn't see what... him jumping out of a car because he's eighty. Right, and that's and that's the great thing because I mean, we all this stuff we've seen Indy do over the years, and now you know Phoebe Waller Bridger is doing it, and and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm thinking, "That's nothing compared to what you've done, Indy." Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's few. fun seeing like he did a few. Right? He's done a couple of Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, for, but that's, yeah. that's but that's what I'm saying. Like uh, seeing it from an 80 year old Indy's perspective, looking at a younger person who used to be, you know, who is exactly like how he used to be. You know, yeah. it was it was kind of fun seeing that 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 turn in yeah. him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but, like... I, but as far as him staying in Syracuse, I completely believe that was an option. I was like, listen, I was like. He's been shot. If he stays here, he's not going to live very long, so he can't really screw up the timeline any more than yeah. all these Romans, all these Romans who just saw flying contraptions in the air, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally – and I thought it would have been totally fun and cool had they gone that route where Indy stays there and dies to see her start investigating – where in these like burial places or something, you know what I mean? Like, like have her go oh, back yeah. to the ear, yeah. have her go back to the ear and find out that Indy's tomb, Indy is also like buried in the same tomb as Archimedes. And that, but, but they, oh, but they yeah. didn't notice it the first time because they weren't looking, you know, they're not looking for him obviously. So I thought that would be like a cool, you know, had he died back then for her to go there and be like, Oh my God. And like, have like his, and be like, how did we miss this before? And like, and see Indy's hat like sitting on a tomb or something, you know? I thought that oh, yeah. would have been really, really a cool That's thing. Cool. Um, but you know, I mean, that's not what they did with it. But I was, I was perfectly happy with the ending, though. You know what? Indy actually finally got his happy ending. You know, like it took him to, you know, he's eighty, 
But, you know, seeing yep. him and Marion at the end there. Um, and they deserve you know, it, right? He and Marion deserve yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I See, really I appreciated think, that. I thought that was great. I think you're not wrong uh, you know, that those those types of finales that you, you know, was thought about, that we've all thought about, um, could be possible. I kind of like the show kind of put it to rest. Like, the show put those two together at the end. Um, in, in the end, they're alive, and so there's not much of an opportunity for them to – you know, for for the studios to make some side projects that are stupid and not can. I like the way they I like I like the way they put it to bed a little bit. Yeah. Unless you're gonna make him ninety. Unless you're gonna make him ninety go another another adventure, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, it's it's a good ending because it's. <laughs> I, I mean, Harrison Ford's got to stop making these movies anyway because he gets – the last couple, he's gotten hurt on every single one of them. He got hurt yes, right? in the yeah. last uh, – he got hurt He got hurt in, in um, um, Force Awakens. Wars, right? He, yep. It, yeah, in Force Awakens, he got hurt. He fell down, he fell down a ladder shooting a scene. Um, yeah. He got, hurt in, he got hurt in Call of the Wild. They had to stop production on Indy at one point because he got hurt. Like, dude, I appreciate, I really do yeah. appreciate your, you know, everything you do at your age to, to make these movies, you know. But, dude, chill out, man. It's time, yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. And he's got, and yeah. he's got two more movies coming. I mean, granted, the the, the role he's going to be playing now isn't quite as uh, aggressive. Um, but you know, he's, he's got two Marvel, he's got two movies in Marvel that he's going to be in. He's in, uh, Captain America, Brave New World, and he's in Thunderbolts. He took over, he took over, uh, he's playing uh, General Ross now. He took over when, uh, William Hurt died. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, when Hurt's gone, yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, he, but he, you know, those are small roles. Those are smaller roles that he he could sit behind a chair. He could could sit in a chair in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, you know. I mean, and he even said, you know, when the the Disney Expo thing, uh, he said, you know, when he came out to talk about the movie and everything, he's like, he's like, I'm funny, but now he goes, this is it. He goes, I know I've said it before, but this is absolutely it. He's like, we, he's like, we have a perfect ending. And, and he, you know, he he even started to tear up a little. And I saw him, when I saw him start to tear up, I'm thinking, oh my god, they killed Indy. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> That's funny. Nope, the opposite. Give him a happy ending. Nope. Yep. Right. Yep. So. Uh, well, all right. So I, I was very. Covered all I'm just, I'm mad at mad, mad at myself that I didn't see it in the theater, but. It was, it was oh, still I very enjoyable. I, I kind of like prioritize that. Um, yeah, I, I you know I I had the same thought process as you, and I just didn't follow through. Yeah, I you know I have a very fond memory of when I was a a young, pretty young, and I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in the movie theater. I remember my mom taking me and my brother to see it, and I just wanted to. I've always wanted to see all those movies in the theater. Yeah, so it was important to me Raiders to see is, it there. And I, yeah, Ra- Raiders is the only one that I did not see in theaters. Quite too young. Um, maybe someday I was like, I was like, I was like ten. 
was I wasn't yeah. young. I was, I, well, I was like I was like I happen, twelve. <laughs> I'm not that much older than you, but hmm. anyway, I told I somebody I made yeah. a com- I, I made a comment the other day, I made a comment the other day um, at work. This is a young girl that I hired uh, at work, and uh, I don't remember how we got on this. Oh, we got on the subject because it turned out that Artie and her sister are in band camp together. And I made yeah. a comment about I was I was I was like I was like I'm gonna be I was like I'm gonna be fifty in less than two years and she's like no you're not <laughs> I was like I yes I am unfortunately <laughs> oh it's great when people say that though right when people I know I was like I was like I was like but thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah well she call me again and tell me that again yeah perfect. Mm. So, so all right. we're about out of time time. We're a little bit over our time. So next week we'll no, have a much shorter. I, 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 I send it for two and a half hours. I know, I know, when, when it's just you and me, when it's just you and me, I somehow when it's just you and me, we we tend to talk longer than all three of us. Than my three of us, yeah. Because you and I, yeah, we agree and go on along. So, all right, so next week we only have like one episode of every show, though, right? Got yes. Well, as new one that we might. I don't think. I don't think. Um, I don't think Walking Dead comes back till October. I don't care about that. <laughs> I know. I know. Um. Anyway, so next week three. So next week is um. What is next week? Oh, I'll be around next week. Yeah, I got a very busy month of September, but I'll be around every Tuesday. So all right. So we'll be back. All right. Um, with our three sh- world of time invasion and Ahsoka. And Ahsoka is all we got next week. Yeah. All right. We're back for the show. All right. All right. Great talking to you. Have always. a great week. Thank you. you, everybody listening. And we'll do it again right. next week. Good night.